of praise to God through um, the words of our lips, through raising our hands, through different motions, just celebrating his. Let's find our way back to our seats. Thanks so much. Hey, you may, some of you know this, others of you may not. You just helped spread joy to somebody. You, you created or filled up somebody's capacity for joy by doing that, by uh, welcoming them, telling them you're glad to be here. There's a group. I mean, if we have um, any first-time guests or, or visitors, we are really glad to have you with us. I'll give you some more information on how you get connected. But there's one group in particular that I want to welcome this morning. It's uh, all, of, all of those whose favorite college team won the national championship and their favorite NFL team has a chance to make the NFC championship today. So who, w- welcome to all two of us. So... 2024 is starting out as a phenomenal year. It's only going to get better. We're just we're heading this way. All right. If you are new or are looking to get more connected, um, our mission is to encounter the love and power of God and give it away to the world. Um, there are a couple of connect cards in the or QR codes in the seats in front of you. You can scan those. Um, to get us your information or to find out what's going on this week. We have more posters out in the lobby where you can get that information. Um, If you do not receive our weekly emails, that's really the best way um, to find out what's going on. If you have done that but you're not receiving those, um, come find me and I'll I'll help you um, figure that out. Uh, I do want to let you know tonight is our retro worship night from 6.30 to 8 here. It's going to be amazing. Um, especially those of you who have been a part of the vineyard for quite some time. I did not do the write-up. Eddie Matthews did that. And he talked about we'd be led by seasoned musicians and worship leaders. Seasoned. I take a little exception to that because everybody's older. Everybody that, that's playing older than me. But it's still really close. A little too close for my comfort. But seasoned worship. So come on out tonight. Brave the cold. It'll be amazing. Um, wanted to let you know every week we have prophetic discerners who sit right over here. Um, we believe God speak to, speaks to us in a variety of ways. If you think God is saying something to you that might be for the, the whole church, invite you to come and um, talk with our discerners, um, which Julie did this morning and um, shared that, that word for us. Yeah. All right. Uh, as we jump in this morning, I want you to think of somebody that you've known in your life who you just knew he or she was in charge. Whatever area they were in, they were in charge. Now, they may not necessarily have had to demonstrate it, you know, tell everybody that they're in charge, but the way he or she carried himself, you knew that person's in charge. For me, one one of the people, I've got multiple people, but one who really stands out um, as I was thinking about this for myself, was my elementary school principal, um, Mrs. Creaser. Mrs. Creaser would stand in the same spot at the building at, at the beginning and end of each day to see students as they came in. And as they left, she always dressed really nice and, and stood very properly and made a point to know students' names. And if she knew your name, you felt like somebody special. It was like, oh, Mrs. Creaser knows my name. All right. We would, she loved sports, so we would talk about sports on a regular basis. Fortunately, there were only a few times, 
I got sent to her office. And when I did, I didn't ever want to go back. Because she wouldn't browbeat or shame or anything, but just kind of called you out like, I think you can, you can do better. Like, there's more in you than doing this sort of thing, behaving this way. When we know of or think of people who are in charge, they often, they need two characteristics. They need authority and they need power. Power and authority, are, they're not the same thing, nor are they synonymous. But, but a person who's in charge needs both of them. I'm going to spend a little time here because I think it's important for us to understand this. Authority is positional. Power is demonstrable. Authority could, could be a title that a person holds. Power is their ability to enforce what they say or, or, or want done. For example, a police officer directing traffic has authority because of the badge to tell which cars can go and, and which ones can't go. If a car, a vehicle decides, I'm going to go regardless, they don't have the power to physically stop that vehicle. They could call it in, you know, to, to dispatch, but he or she lacks the, the physical power to stop a vehicle. A person could have power, you know, by, by maybe being bigger or stronger or, or knowing various hand-to-hand -hand combat techniques to restrain another person, right? They have the power. They, don't, they may not have authority. Just think siblings. The older sibling can physically restrain the younger sibling. They don't have the authority. <laughs> Let's get... <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's a confession or what, uh, but power and authority, again, are needed for the person who's in charge. Because if a person has power but not authority, they're a, they're a bully. If they have authority but no power, they're a figurehead. They may be in a, a political or business position of power, but if there's somebody else who's really running the show, they're just a figurehead. The power and authority together are needed for the person who's in charge. Right? Really, the, the CEO, the, the politician who's really in charge needs both authority and power. And so this morning, we're going to look at Jesus' authority and power. And so if you have a Bible, turn uh, to Mark chapter 4, verses 35. Uh, if you want a physical Bible, we have them up here on the subwoofers. If you don't own a Bible and, and need one, take it with you. So we are in a series called The Way of Jesus. The first part of the series is going to be in two parts. The first part is us looking at Jesus specifically the attributes of God that we see in Jesus. They're all there. All the attributes of God are, are in Jesus, but we're going to focus just on a few. So a couple of weeks ago, Randy looked at how Jesus is the way. He is the whole deal. He's what it's all about. We look at him, and we, and we want to be like him. We want to be with him. Then last week, Randy talked about Jesus' holiness. Jesus 
had and lived out the holiness of God. And as followers of Jesus, or maybe people who are curious, who's skeptical, trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing out, we want to know, if, did Jesus claim to be God, and is there evidence to support it? That's a big deal. That's what that really separates us as Christians from all other religions, other monotheistic religions. Because Jesus, we, we claim Jesus is God because he claimed it and that he's the one who saves us. And he did it in words and in actions. And if actions speak louder than words, I think as we look at the Gospels, we see Jesus is shouting out, I'm God. Randy also pointed out that when we talk about um, attributes, it's the essential part of God's nature. And that they can be divided up into two groups. Uh, incommunicable, uh, meaning we can't imitate those. So God is always present everywhere, all the time. God knows all things. God has all power. We can't imitate that. And then there's what we call the communicable attributes. Those are the things that we can. He is, with his love, um, as we'll look at this morning, um, his kingship, his holiness, you know, different aspects about who God is that we can actually imitate. So what I want us to remember this morning, what I want us to take away is that Jesus reveals his kingship when he confronts rebellious elements and spirits. Jesus is king of creation and over spiritual uh, beings and all the natural elements. And the way Jesus reveals his kingship says a lot about who he is as king. So we're going to look at, well, I actually see it as one story in two vignettes. One story broken up into two smaller um, examples of Jesus's power and authority. And through that, we get a glimpse into his kingship. So um, as we look at Mark 4, starting in verse 35, it's not going to be up on the screen because it's a little bit longer passage. But let's look at this story that um, Mark records for us. It says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took with, him, with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And waking up, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be silent, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Why have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit, met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. 
For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you, by God, do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. Now there was a hillside of a great there was on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding. And the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, stampeded down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what, was, what it was that happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man possessed by demons sitting there, clothed and in his right mind the very man who had had the legion, and they became frightened. Then those who had seen what had happened to the man possessed by demons and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting in the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with them. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Let's pray. Jesus, we just say that you are king. We thank you for the ways that you reveal your power and your authority from this story so we believe that you have something to say to us this morning. And so, Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts and our minds to receive that um, and to take root in your name. Amen. So again, Jesus reveals his kingship when he confronts rebellious elements and spirits. So let's look at how he's confronting the rebellious elements in this story. If you're a nervous flyer or inexperienced flyer, every little bump causes you to grab that handle real tight. Right? One thing you can do is look at the flight attendants. If they're calm, you can, you can be calm. If they're nervous, you don't have to be nervous, but now it's kind of justified, right? So here's a situation where Jesus and the disciples, they're in a boat. Remember, four of these men Four of them are fishermen. They've probably been on the sea a time or two when it gets a little stormy. They're freaking out. They think they're going to die. I'm sure some of them got to that point a lot quicker, but they're all scared. And during the storm, Jesus is asleep. 
He must not get motion sickness. Lucky. He's in, he, now Mark points out Jesus is in the stern. This is important because at that time, that's where you go to rest. So Jesus is in the back, not out of a dereliction of duty, but out of deep trust in the Father. He's showing the disciples, here's how you trust God. He's also showing them, hey, if you're tired, sleep. Maybe you've seen the the meme, Jesus took naps, be like Jesus. Here's a good good example. I heard a few months ago this quote from Dallas Willard. Never heard it before. Jesus had three years to save the world. He still found time to fish and take naps. Now, if Mark is arranged chronologically, the disciples, by this point, they've, they've seen at least one exorcism. They've seen four specific healings. Um, Peter's mother-in-law was cured of her fever. There was a skin disease that was healed. A paralytic was healed. And a withered hand came back. And they saw a day of ministry. Now, there was probably a lot more that happened, but Mark's just kind of given us a big picture. And they've also heard various teachings sprinkled in. This is new. This is the first time their lives feel like they're in danger. And so they wake Jesus up. And here's what he says. Be silent. Be still. Those words don't hap- aren't very common in the scriptures. The be silent means no more talking. And the, the be still is you're not allowed to make a sound, not allowed to move. Mark says that the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. There was no more movement. That doesn't happen. The storm stopped dead in its tracks. I, I don't know if you've ever been outside where it's been windy and then it's just stopped. That feels eerie, right? But that's what happened. Mark says it's dead calm. Literally a, a great, great calm. It means it went from waves splashing over the side of the boat into the boat into like glass. That doesn't happen. He stops the wind and the waves dead in their tracks. I love in the Jesus Storybook Bible, uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones talks about how the wind and the waters had heard this voice before. This was the one who told them where to go and how far they could go. This is the one who was in charge. He had authority and he had power. The rebellious elements had to stop what they were doing. Jesus' demonstration of his kingship wasn't a constant flexing and reminding everyone that he's in charge. Because I'm sure you've experienced this as well. People who do this, they're often not in charge or they're insecure about it. In fact, Jesus often did the, the opposite. He tried to keep it quiet and keep it hidden. Don't tell anybody what I did. Just, just go. Keep this to yourself. It says that the disciples were filled with great fear. So 
Here they are thinking they're going to die, and now they're even more scared. I've never been in a situation where I thought I'm going to die. I think that might be about the scariest it could be, but apparently not. I think it's sort of rhetorical, but they're, they're asking each other, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's messing with their understanding because they knew there was only one, that, that their God was the only one who had that sort of authority and power. And now here's a man that they've spent time with who's demonstrating the same authority and power. We're going to come back to this. So again, Jesus reveals his kingship when he, when he confronts rebellious elements and rebellious spirits. Let's look at how he confronts rebellious spirits. As, as the ship lands, they meet this man who, uh, sort of history we call the Gerasene demoniac. Now, I'm not going to spend time talking about people who are demonized, but rather just to look at what's going on. Here's his situation. He has an unclean spirit. Doesn't mean that the man's a bad person. Something's happened that allowed the spirit to take up residence and have control over his body. So he's living among the tombs. Either the, we don't know why he's there, either the, the demons drove him out there, the unclean spirits, or the people did because they're terrified. Either way, this is not a good situation. Genesis 2, God talks about it's not good for man to be alone. That's not just about uh, marriage. That's about community. So here he is. He's, he has to be isolated. These demons have given this man a lot of power, but no authority. Mark says he couldn't be restrained with shackles or chains. I'm sure that he's kind of acting like a bully because nobody could control this guy. There's a lot of fear among the people. Mark says that he's, he's howling, so he's acting subhuman, acting like an animal. That's what this unclean spirit is doing to him. He's bruising himself. It's leading him to, to self-harm. This demon has caused significant harm and damage to this man. He's got to be isolated He's acting less than human. He's going around naked. And he's hurting himself. And when Jesus speaks to him, he bows before him. Because he knows whose presence he's in. The demon recognizes a familiar voice when Jesus says, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. What's interesting is Mark says there's one spirit, but then it looks like there's more than one. This is outside of my expertise. I'm just going to talk about what, what the text is mentioning here. So when Jesus asks his name, the guy says, I'm legion. A legion at that time was 6,000 soldiers. Mark tells us there are 2,000 pigs on a, on a hillside, and the, the demons go into these pigs, and they run down the mountain. I don't know if it's one, 6,000, 2,000, some number in between. What we know, 
This is either one very powerful spirit or thousands or some other number, and instantly they have to do what Jesus says. The spirits could only do what Jesus allowed. For some reason, they asked not to be sent out of the the region, and Jesus honors their request. That's why they go into the pigs, they run down the mountain into the water. Again, outside my expertise of what we could kind of theorize, but just plain reading from the text, what we see as king, Jesus confronts the unclean spirits. He's got authority and power over these spirits. He doesn't want them afflicting us any way, shape, or form. There is no question that he's in charge. They don't debate Jesus. They ask permission, and then they have to do what he says. Mark tells us that the the swine herds run into town. They tell everybody what happened. People want to come out and see it for themselves, and they freak out. Now they're really scared. They were scared of this guy before. Now somebody greater is here in their presence. They don't know what to do with it, so they ask Jesus to leave. And once again, he honors their requests. Jesus' actions with and over the rebellious elements and the rebellious spirits reveal his kingship. It's a kingship that belongs to Yahweh alone, and Jesus has it. He's exercising his power and authority as the king. He's the one who's in charge. Again, Jewish people knew that Yahweh was the king. And here it was, this man who's acting just like Yahweh. They've got the stories in the scriptures of God having say-so over rebellious spiritual beings and over rebellious elements. And a man they can see and touch and talk to is demonstrating the same power and authority. The disciples and the garrison people are filled with fear. And it's the right response. What's interesting is there's times that Jesus tells people, don't fear, don't be afraid. That when God appears to people in the Old Testament scriptures, he'll say, don't fear. In fact, it's the most repeated command in the Bible, don't fear. And Jesus doesn't tell them not to fear because I think it was the right response. They knew they were in the presence of incredible power and authority. When he asks the disciples why they're afraid of the the storm, it almost feels like he's saying, look at me, I'm the pilot. I'm in control. I'm in charge. It's going to be okay. He doesn't tell the people not to be afraid, but he honors their request to leave. And so for us, what I think a couple of things for us to 
interact with this, is the, remi- the reminder that the king is here. The king is in our presence. And so we, we adore the king. We bow down. You kiss the king. When the king is there, so is his kingdom. We see Jesus giving us peace and the freedom to decide whether we're going to live according to his ways or not. The disciples, they were filled with fear, but they didn't, they didn't leave. The garrison people, they're filled with fear, and they ask Jesus to leave. Notice even the, the way Jesus lives as king. He honors the requests of these unclean spirits and the people. And so for us to ask ourselves, is there an area where we're unwilling to let Jesus have say-so? over? Is there an area of our lives where we've said, Jesus, let me have this? In Philippians 2, Paul says that one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord because of his obedience. So now people can choose whether or not to do that a day will come when that won't be an option. We also see that Jesus has the authority and the power to calm external and internal storms and to get rid of our demons. This external storm led to an internal storm for the disciples. They're filled with fear. They're, They're anxious. They think they're going to die. And when Jesus calms the storm, that internal storm, I'm sure it was also calmed, but then they're freaking out. Who is this? We know that there are personal, spiritual, evil spiritual beings at work in our world today. Jesus is still able to deal with them. He's given us authority to do that. We have people here who are gifted in that ministry. We have uh, Sozo to deal with those issues. And the last way for us to interact with Jesus' authority and powers, to remember um, at the end of Matthew 18, Jesus says, all authority is in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And now he shares it with us. That we are in him. As If we're in Christ, we are a king or a queen. We have kingdom, a kingdom, or a queendom. And so what do we do with that? Are we going to try to rule it on our own? Or do we bring it into God's kingdom? You know, I think when... It talk, when Jesus has the titles of King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he's not just talking about over nation states, but that's people. As, as ones who are in God's image, that's part of the way we live that out. We, we have authority and we have power. So as we look at Jesus we, and and 
spend time with him, we start to become like him and understand the authority and the power that he's given us to walk that out. So if our ministry team can come forward, and Esther and Jonathan. So again, as we've looked at, Jesus reveals his kingship when he confronts rebellious elements and spirits. Jesus is king over creation and over spiritual beings and over the natural elements of the world. And the way Jesus reveals his kingship says a lot about him as the king. He's willing to honor our requests. And when we invite him in to to deal with the situation, he's more than happy to do it. He's got authority and power over whatever we might be dealing with. And remember, Jesus' kingdom is one of freedom and peace. Um, our ministry teams are happy to pray with you for over any situation that you have, emotional, um, spiritual, mental, physical, any of those things. Because Jesus has power and authority over that. And he's with us now. And we believe that he's going to move in different things that you might um, need for him to move in. Um, a couple of things, as we've shared before, every Sunday before the service, we have a little meeting, and, and a couple of words that were shared, I think, um, are relevant for us this morning, especially on this, this topic. One was this idea of infusion that God is wanting to put within us um, more of who he is, and I think for some of us, that's to step into more authority and power uh, that he's given us. And an, another, I think specifically for men, to step into the authority and the power that God's given you as men. We don't need to shy away from that. right? Jesus showed us how to walk in a healthy way with authority and with power. And that's what he's inviting all of us into. So again, if there's something kind of stirring up for you this morning around stepping into more authority, more power, come, come forward. Um, our teams are happy to pray for you. Um, if you have any other needs, they're happy to pray for those as well. So we'll give you a moment.
folks here, if you could come up. So anybody who wants to receive prayer is able to do so. There's some over here. Esther and Jonathan will continue playing. Our, our teams will be available, so you're welcome to linger. Um, if you need to go get your kids or to head out, you are welcome to do so. May you go in peace to love and serve the Lord.